1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is your 30th meeting between New Tomlin. Only two other coaches in history in the NFL have that many times. Have you developed a sort of friendship with him over the years? Or it's coming rivalry? Yeah, we have a great relationship. I have a lot of respect uh, for Coach Tomlin, uh, for the whole organization over there. I've got other friends in the organization over there. They're players. Uh, everything about the Steelers you have to respect. Always, always was an admirer of Chuck Knoll, you know, and went back and used to still study a lot of the things he said. So, yeah, uh, Coach Tomlin and I get along really well, uh, I feel like. and But we're certainly rivals because the Ravens are and the Steelers are rivals. So we're going to be rivals. And uh, each of us are going to do everything we can to try to help our team win. John Harbaugh, coach of the Ravens since 2008, visiting the Steelers, coached by Mike Tomlin since 2007, throwing a couple of playoff meetings, and they know each other as well as any two coaches in the league currently do. And this is a huge one for both teams. Reminds me a little bit of last night's game, though, Peter. Here's the problem. Spirit's willing, but the flesh isn't available because too many guys are injured or on the COVID reserve list like a T.J. Watt. It's just the will... The desire, it, it's its hard for one team to match from a talent standpoint the other. The, the the Ravens are just better right now than the Steelers, and the Steelers overachieved when they won those four games in a row, but we've seen them in an 0-2-1 tailspin lately. It was very bad against the Bengals on Sunday. It's going to be difficult for the Steelers to muster the wheel. I think Mike is doing everything he can to push buttons on his guys, and the pads were popping earlier this week at practice. They're going to come out and give it everything they have. I just, I just don't know that it's going to be enough. You know, a couple of things about this game. Um, when I
2: looked at the schedule last week and I was trying to figure out who's in trouble, who's not, whatever, you know, there's one thing about the Steelers who obviously have a must-win here, all right? But when I looked at the schedule, I said, whoa, the Steelers got to have their annual Civil War in Pittsburgh against the Ravens, and then on a short week, on Wednesday, they got to get on a plane for Minneapolis and play one of the most explosive teams in football. So this is not a week to have tired legs. This is not a week to be missing T.J. Watt, and even if T.J. Watt could return for the Minnesota game to be huffing and puffing because... You've been, uh, you haven't been working, and, and, and whatever you might be weak because of whatever you've just gone through on the COVID list. I mean, this is the Steelers really in a five-day span. Mike are We're going to de- they're going to determine their status for this season, and quite honestly, they're going to determine also whether Ben Roethlisberger is going to have a future at quarterback beyond the middle of January.
1: Yeah and uh, look I I uh I thought you were going to say beyond this season because I think as we see more and more of his right, performance Right, that's
2: what I mean. That's what I yeah. mean. Beyond this season because I don't think yeah. they're making the
1: playoffs. Well, okay then. Do you well, let's go there. Cuz I think it's done. Yeah. I think it's over. I, I, I look I do too. I said I said when they worked out the deal that paid him $4 million less for this season back in February-March time frame that, that both sides are going to regret this by November. Now, I didn't say beginning or end of November. We're now past November, and I think if you started attaching people to lie detector tests, they'd say, yeah, this probably wasn't a good idea. They're 5-5-1, five, five and, and they're pointing down, not up. I can't imagine the Steelers bringing him back next year, and I can't imagine him wanting to play again next year. Do you think either of those things is going to happen?
2: I don't think so either. But I want to give you a history lesson, Mike. The last quarterback who willingly took, willingly, maybe not happily, but who willingly took a $4 million haircut was Peyton Manning in 2015. And he did it not happily, but he did it. And he had those things converted to incentives, a big part of which was if we win the Super Bowl, I get my regularly scheduled money they end up winning the Super Bowl, he gets his money. The big difference here is that, uh, you know, obviously Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have the team around him to carry him to the Super Bowl the way that Peyton Manning had in 2015 when he walked off the field for the last time as an NFL player, a Super Bowl winner, even though that day he was only a complimentary player. And so... I think we're seeing a lot of the same thing of history repeating itself, where the year that Ben Roethlisberger takes that salary haircut is going to be his last year in football.
1: Yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, The Ravens have a lot more years with Lamar Jackson, although he had his career worst game with four interceptions. He owned it. He said, hey, I look like a rookie when I watched the film. And I think the hallmark of a great team, Peter, is the ability to win the game even when your quarterback melts down with four interceptions. It's a testament to what else the Ravens have around their quarterback, and that's one of the reasons why I think this is going to be so difficult for the Steelers. The Ravens have so much more around their quarterback than the Steelers have around theirs.
2: No question about it, and especially with with some of the rising talent uh, you've got on offense. But, Mike, I think the one thing... I had Pro Football Focus do a little bit of uh, work for me. They, they helped me out on a few statistical things. And the fact is that what's happening this year with how bad the Baltimore line has been ravaged by injury at times this year, Lamar Jackson is getting blitzed a lot more this year. And so what, that's, what that does is that it hurries his decision-making process and it makes him, it sort of forces him to throw the ball a little bit earlier than he would want to. And I think <clears throat> I think that has led to
1: some of his spate, of, in part, to his spate of interceptions. And I'm glad you mentioned that because the game we saw on Sunday night was his first game since that blitz fest against the Dolphins. And even though we didn't see a bunch of defensive backs from the Browns in his face, I think his clock got messed up from that game. And he was getting rid of it faster than he would have because he was anticipating more of what he saw the last time he was on a football field, which was Dolphins players in his face all night long. 2020,
2: Lamar Jackson was blitzed on 26% of the plays. 2021, it's 37%. And the other interesting little stat is that there are more defenders in the box by almost a full percentage point uh every snap against Lamar Jackson. So what's going on is that teams are not really hiding the fact that they're coming. You know, and you saw it with with, with Miami. They said, we don't care if you know, we're coming. And those two things with a line that you don't totally trust I think you've got to include that in the uh, Lamar analysis.
1: And I think for the Steelers to have a chance, Peter, then they they just have to confuse him. Blitz him like crazy. Make him think a blitz is coming. Drop a guy into coverage instead. Just do a lot of pre-snap things that has him thinking he's going to get blitzed. Get that clock to accelerate, but then have extra bodies back in the secondary when he does throw the ball before he would otherwise be ready to throw the ball. Look, for the Steelers to win this game, and I think it's going to be close. It, it it always seems to be close. There have been three times that the Ravens have been favored to beat the Steelers in the last 15 years and in Pittsburgh, and all three were games where Ben Roethlisberger didn't play, and all three games were three-point victories by the Ravens, two in overtime. I think the Ravens will win this one by three as well. That'll cover the spread for the Steelers. I still don't completely rule out the Steelers winning, just because this is the classic kind of situation where the Steelers can can find a way to will themselves to a win. I know this team for 50 years of growing up around Pittsburgh and living in Pittsburgh and sitting here now 100 miles from Heinz Field. It just feels like the kind of game where they can pull it off. I just think right now the cupboard is too bare for the Steelers to actually get the win.
2: I think it probably is Mike uh I totally agree with you, but weird things happen in the Steelers-Ravens rivalry. That's all I'll say. I don't know what it's going to be, and maybe this will be an absolutely normal football game. The One other thing, one other point of caution. Four of the last five games, the Baltimore Ravens have scored 17 points or less. This is not the machine that it was in Lamar Jackson's MVP year. So when you're a team that has trouble scoring, okay, when you're a team that has trouble scoring and you face a team that even though they might be down some weapons on defense, I mean, they're still going to be facing a good defense on Sunday. Uh, I Nothing is a lock in this game
1: weird things happen that'd be a great way for cbs to sell it tune in four o'clock sunday weird things happen baltimore at pittsburgh all right let's take a break when we return in cincinnati weird things could happen a couple of the top quarterbacks from the class of 2020 are getting together when the chargers face the bengals we'll get you ready for that one when pft live continues right after this Fun watch big strong strong arm Makes a lot of plays. Good player. How uh, were you we, during college?
0: Well, he was always the guy, um, really the whole time. I mean for the whole his whole three years, he was going to be the next number one pick. Um, so I knew him you know, the entire time he was playing.
1: Did you ever think
0: that you would supplant him? No, I never thought I'd be the number one pick. I was some back some unknown backup guy for three years
1: really is amazing, and it shows how quickly things can change with one additional football season because before that 2019 season began, we never would have thought Joe Burrow was going to be the number one pick in the draft. It was pointing toward a guy like Justin Herbert. And set, or it was pointing toward Tua by then. Yeah. It had gone from Justin Herbert to Tua. So it ends up being Burrow 1, Tua 5, Herbert 6. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow get together this weekend in Cincinnati. A big game for both teams. The Chargers trying their best to position themselves for the postseason in a wacky AFC West where you've got the Chiefs in first place at seven and four, everybody else is six and five, Bengals at seven and four, winning two in a row after losing two in a row. Huge game. With significant implications, Peter, between these two quarterbacks. And uh, I just, I can't get a read on this one because I can't get a read on the Chargers. I never know which Chargers team is going to show up. That's the one thing that has remained consistent, even with a new coaching staff. You don't know what you're going to get from the Chargers until you get it.
2: <clears throat> the reason I love this game is because even though we look at Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, as these mega young quarterbacks, 23 and 24 years old, and we say that, boy, they're going to be two foundation pieces for the NFL going forward. Isn't it amazing that at no time ever in their lives have they played a game against each other or been together or know each other at all? It's almost like the Rocky Mountains separated Justin Herbert from all these other quarterbacks back east and down south. One of those quarterbacks was Joe Burrow. And at Ohio State and at LSU, you know, he never came in contact with Joe Burrow. Now, I'm assuming they maybe in the draft process or, or whatever, you know, they got to know each other a little bit. But, and now these two guys who've combined for 90 touchdown passes. In their careers so far. In a year and two-thirds. I mean, I just hope right now that this is the first of about 20 games between these guys. Because it almost feels in some way like this is the first game you're seeing between Montana and Elway. And who knows if they'll turn out to be that way. But they're both mad bombers. And they both uh, can move around. Now, Marino couldn't move around, but Elway could. I just... I love the story
1: of Herbert versus Burrow. And what we're looking for the next Brady uh, Brady and Peyton Manning. Brady Manning. I think, yeah, yeah, we're looking for that. And the, the difference is, and somebody asked me about this earlier in the week, Brady and the Patriots were dominating the AFC East, and Peyton Manning and the Colts were dominating the AFC South, which made it more likely they were going to cross paths every year in the playoffs. I think what we're going to see now is just this broader assortment of compelling quarterback matchups, none of which may rise to the level of a regular rivalry. But there's just so many good young quarterbacks in the NFL now. You can, you know, you, you've got Patrick Mahomes playing this guy, this guy, this guy. You've got Joe Burrow playing this guy, this guy, this guy. You know, there's. It was the the question I was asked was whether Burrow and Mac Jones could end up becoming the next Brady and Manning. I just think that there's too many good teams. There's too many good quarterbacks. We're not going to have a situation where the Patriots dominate the AFC East for 10 years and some other team dominates its division in the AFC for 10 years. It's just not going to happen. Every year is going to be its own thing. And I think we're going to see more years like this, Peter, where teams are alive far deeper than ever before. Now that we had that extra game, the accordion effect on the season, it, it it's, it's making Pete Rozelle's vision fully come to reality. You know, Mike, I really
2: think what you just said is right. I love the fact that Burrow, Tua, and Herbert are all in the AFC. Because think about it if one of them was in the NFC, if Joe Burrow played for the Bears, he'd see Justin Herbert once every four years. And in my opinion, that's sad. Like, I think it's sad that Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes are only going to play every four years. Those are headline guys. And that's why I think, look, and I've I've gone nuts about this way too often. And I'm not going to go nuts here, but I am going to make this point. The NFL should use that 17th game every year to invent matchups that are great for football. Now, I understand that that might be unfair to some teams. Well, that's life. I mean... The fact that you can get more great matchups that Howard Katz and his schedule team could invent great matchups every year, and let's just say for the sake of our because I know that you you might just say, "Well look, if Kansas City has to play Dallas every other year or whatever it is, you know it's unfair to to the Raiders you know who might have an easier schedule because you've got to give them somebody for a seventeenth game no. My only point is, because somebody's going to have to play the Lions. My only point about it is, wouldn't it be fun that once every two or three years, if you gave another rivalry-type fun game to these great teams in football, and then the next year or two you have them play normal, whatever, run-of-the-mill teams. And I just think, I love the fact that that we are going to see Burrow, Tua, assuming he wins the job in Miami, and Herbert against each other a lot in the next 15 years.
1: And they're already doing what you're suggesting, sort of. They're doing it in a way that creates predictability and competitive balance by having that 17th game be a game against another team in the other conference that finished in the same spot in its division that you did. That's how we got Packers-Chiefs this year, for example, that's how we got Bucks Colts this past weekend, for example. So they're already kind of moving that way. I, I know what I could say to get you really upset right now, but we got to go to break. I'll say it on the way out and you can yell. Oh, at me. Come on, break. go ahead. Go ahead. They can, they can they can adopt your suggestion for the 18th game. How about No! That? No! No <laughs> way! Stop it! Stop it right now! <laughs> Let's take a break. Uh, we're going to rip through some Week 13 matchups in the Verizon Speed Round when PFT Live continues right after this. You know that 18th game's coming. Quaker has been a trusted name in breakfast for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, and the ballpoint pen. And while a lot of things have changed since then, some things have stayed the same, like the great taste and quality of Quaker Oats. Quaker has something for everyone, like old-fashioned and quick oats great for cooking and baking or instant oatmeal in different flavors and varieties, whether it's lower sugar or added protein or fiber, Quaker Oats can satisfy the whole family. There's even Quaker Fruit Fusion with real fruit pieces, added vitamins and no artificial colors for a bold start to a bold morning. Quaker. Getting up to some good since 1877 look for quaker oats in your local grocery store
0: around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.
1: Now that there's know actually something to play for this season as opposed to just getting a win you know how how is everything feeling what's the difference there yeah i, uh, I mean like i said before i think you know our, our guys are trying well we're still trying to find our rhythm um you know playing complementary football in all three phases of the game and then i, I would also say you know we're, we're really close as a team um you know i i haven't done you know a lot of things off the field with with many of my past teammates than, you know, I have, you know, this year uh, with guys. And so, uh, you know, I, I would say we're really close. Um, it's really like a family. One thing that helped the Dolphins find their rhythm toward four straight wins, the fact that the door closed at least until March on the talk of Deshaun Watson being traded to Miami. That was the moment the winning streak began for the Dolphins, time for today's speed round, brought to you by Verizon, the official 5G network of the NFL. And Peter, the Dolphins going for five in a row this weekend when the Giants come to town. Daniel Jones has been limited at practice the past couple of days. The point spread's kind of gone all over the place on this one because it was. Jones definitely isn't playing. Mike Glennon would play. Dolphins minus five. Then it's all, wait, wait, wait. Jones is practicing. Maybe he'll play, and now it's Dolphins minus four. So it's kind of moving around because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I don't know that it's going to matter. The Dolphins have found their groove. I mean, they absolutely dismantled the Panthers, and I know it's a matchup-driven league at this point, but, boy, the Dolphins have gotten something figured out, and it's going to be hard to imagine them not continuing it against a team with a losing record
2: agree with an asterisk Mike the Giants defense has had a couple of really good performances and I realize it's not uh you know the Eagles are not the best offense in football but the Eagles had been really explosive in the four games before facing the Giants and they really sputtered last Sunday so I think the Giants are going to make this a game but look the one thing that occurs to me about this game Mike and about the rest of the schedule for Miami, whether or not they can squeeze into a playoff spot, it's Tua has his future in his hands. And he's been playing not totally healthy, and he's been playing well. And his chemistry with Jalen Waddell is utterly fantastic. I mean, they look like what Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow looked like earlier in the year. And so I just really like right now what I'm seeing out of Tua making quick decisions, getting rid of the ball quickly. Uh, Mike, you know, I keep thinking to myself, the more I watch Tua, are they really going to be in the market for a quarterback after the season?
1: Hey, he did what I said he should do, because back in August, when this first bubbled up aggressively about Deshaun Watson, it was tough for Tua. He was not thrilled about the situation, and that lingered, and it simmered, and it bubbled up again, and what he needed to do is what he eventually did. Once the window closed on the Deshaun talk, you go out and you perform in a way that makes them say, whoa, whoa, right. whoa, may- maybe, yes. maybe we don't want Deshaun Watson. Maybe we've got Deshaun Watson. That's what Tom Brady would have done, and that's what two is doing. The key to me, though, is durability. He's got to be able to show that he can stay on the field and play week in and week out and also play at a high level. All right, from a team that's won four in a row to a team that's trying to get to four in a row, the Washington football team goes to Las Vegas. Washington, five and six, trying to stay within striking distance of the Cowboys, who won last night. Raiders at six and five. Raiders looked good against the Cowboys eight days ago with that 36-33 win. Taylor Heineke, he's been the giant killer since the bye. Tom Brady, down. Russell Wilson, down. (coughs) They're winning against teams with established quarterbacks, and now they get a shot at Derek Carr. You almost said Cam Newton. (laughs) But you didn't. (laughs) At the time. Um, At the time. At the time. Yeah. But not now. Not not after Sunday. I
2: I think it's really, really interesting. And it isn't just that Taylor Heineke is winning these games. It's that, and look, they're not an offensive machine. But at the beginning of the year, I think we all thought that they were going to struggle to be able to score in the 20s. And so these last three weeks, you know, 29, 27, and 17, and, you know, they have won games that we thought that they probably weren't going to win. We thought by midseason they were going to be real bottom feeders. They lost four in a row. But. I think what we're seeing right now is that every week, Taylor Heineke is getting really comfortable in this offense, and he's basically saying to everybody, hey, listen, I'm throwing to Terry McLaurin. If you guys can stop it, go ahead and stop it, but he has really found an identity with he and Terry McLaurin, and look, the other thing is very easily, very clearly, finally, the last three or four weeks, this defense is playing like a top 10 defense, top 12 defense, maybe. And so, to me, if you're Washington right now, and you know what, Mike? If you're Washington and you watch that game last night, you say, man, you know, the Cowboys didn't steamroll, uh, you know, a very undermanned New Orleans team. The Cowboys could barely close out this game you know their last three drives uh, other than the kneel down at the end they couldn't they couldn't run the ball you know on 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 the saints to try to kill the clock and if you're washington if you're ron rivera i watched that game last night and i say why not us it's going to be very very hard but i don't think it's impossible
1: the one factor that fascinates me about this game as well jack del rio the washington defensive coordinator thrown overboard by the raiders for john gruden Even though Del Rio, the only coach to take the Raiders to the playoffs since 2002. And Del Rio knows a thing or two about Derek Carr. He's got some inside information that makes this an even more compelling game. Sunday Night Football, compelling game. The Broncos are working their way in the right direction. The Chiefs are looking for their fifth straight win. The Broncos have lost 11 in a row to Kansas City, Peter, and the. The, the, the cliche, you know, the thing about cliches, they, they are proven by repetition. Andy Reid coming off of a bye week, it's hard to beat. It's not going to be easy for the Broncos. Well, that's because Andy Reid has mostly coached good teams.
2: And if you're a good team and you're rested going into a game, I, I, again, I think that stat is a piece of crap. I just. It. If, you come, it is. if you're a good team and you're coming off a bye and you get a couple more guys healthy, which usually happens, why wouldn't you be better coming off a bye? It's stupid. It's fiction. It's idiocy. Okay, now let's get to this matchup. To me, I think the really interesting thing about this matchup is that Denver, right now, has the kind of secondary and the kind of weapon. I don't think I have ever heard Patrick Mahomes talk about a corner the way he talked about Patrick Sertan II this week in advance of this game. I mean, Sertan's played, what, 12 games in the NFL? And Mahomes talked about him like he was Darrell Revis. And I think that... I just can't wait to see Patrick Sertan having his go at Tyreek Hill, and and I I mean, when I used to be at Sports Illustrated, I used to tell my editors, I don't want to just cover the best games, I want to cover the most interesting matchups, like one week I covered Tony Baselli versus Derrick Thomas in whatever, 25 years ago, but I thought that was so much fun, and then you just focus on that, all of that game that I watch it's all going to be focused on Sertan and Mahomes and and that duel. That's so much fun.
1: Well, and that push and pull of the Chiefs wanting to use the big play but trying to exercise patience and take what the defense gives them. Meanwhile, if the Broncos are going to have a chance in this one, they got to match point for point what the Chiefs do. And this is Teddy Bridgewater's opportunity. You know, he's... He's quietly had a solid year. He's had some moments. There was that embarrassing non-tackle a few weeks ago that created a lot of controversy, but he has not been bad. This is his chance on a national stage. The only time anyone's going to be paying attention to the Broncos this year unless they do make it to the playoffs. This is his chance to come out and show what he can do. I do have an idea. We have to go to break, but I have an idea for the Football Morning in America t-shirt. You get your logo on the front, and on the back, that stat is a piece of crap. That's, That's the call soon. good i love it i love coming it off right. a bye. That, the coming off of ice well, stat. that yeah. stat is a piece of crap just generally i like that that stat is a piece of crap that yeah. that's just the retort to any yeah. stat that we don't like let's take a break a segment but we you like show what, me mike, something
2: mike i like quarterback wins i understand that i am a dinosaur for liking that but i like quarterback wins
1: I believe the quarterback wins have relevance as well, although many do not. I respectfully disagree, as do you. All right, show me something for week 13 when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: Pro Football Talk is brought to you by Verizon, the official 5G network of the NFL. One thing that I do know is is that um, my resume shows that I'm going to overcome you know? my resume shows that I'm an overcomer. So, you know, uh, the reality is is that for me, you know, I know what's going to happen. You know I, know, I know, I know every time there's adversity, there's something great on the other side of it. You know, and so for me, I always keep that great perspective of that and understand that um, with great language, with great mentality, with uh, great belief, great attitude and ultimately great habits. I think all of that stuff is going to come to fruition and all, all, everything that you ever dreamed of. And that's what I've always believed. That's what's
1: always happened. I don't believe in any other way. His resumes show that he 's an overcomer. His most recent report card suggests otherwise though it has not been good lately for Russell Wilson, and maybe it 's the finger. he says it 's not the finger, so we take him at his word. I mean this is the Shereen Williams test. Your performance as a quarterback is either impaired by injury or if you insist you 're not injured, then you stink there's no middle ground you You either are impaired because you have some condition like Baker Mayfield has had multiple, and if you insist you're fine, then the only other explanation is. You just aren't very good anymore. All right, show me something, time, Peter. You're up.
2: You know, show me something, Russell Wilson. This is it, Mike. This is it. It is put up or shut up with your nice green cleats, uh, with the, you know, the the whatever cause he is uh, he's using, which is uh, which, by the way, I think is fantastic, and it allows players to try to raise money for these things. But Russell Wilson right now has to show America in a very, very big spot and show his teammates and quite frankly, show himself, show John Schneider, show Pete Carroll, and maybe show some of those teams who are going to be looking for a quarterback in the offseason. Is he right? Because he has not been right the last three weeks. Show me something, Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah, I think that price may be going down for Russell Wilson compared to what it would have been earlier this year based on what we've seen recently. I'm going to go with the game we just talked about, but – It resonates for me. Teddy Bridgewater, show me something. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. This is one of the biggest games you have ever played on one of the biggest stages you have ever stepped onto. This journey back from the devastating knee injury from late August of 2016. Here you are. Your team is on the right side of 500. The Broncos haven't been above 500 this late in the season since the year they won the Super Bowl. They've had some bad teams. They've struggled. This is a moment to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, and if you win the game, you pull into a tie for first place with the Chiefs at the (coughs) top of the division. So show me something, Teddy Bridgewater.
2: You know, I hate to keep doing quarterbacks, but show me something, Josh Allen. We all know that Josh Allen is a franchise quarterback. He's going to be a very good quarterback, a great quarterback in this league, I believe, for the next decade. But you know what's happening right now? The New England Patriots are knocking at the door of what the Buffalo Bills believe is their inalienable right, and that is it is our turn to win the AFC East, to be dominant in the AFC East for a number of years. And I think this is the type of game against a defense that has so many standout impact players could be a different star every week He's got to solve a lot this week. Josh Allen does. And Chris Sims said it earlier in the show. They don't have a lot of premier weapons on offense that you trust. In my opinion, this is a game that Josh Allen has to find some way, somehow, to win at home in Orchard Park Monday night.
1: Well, I'll show. I'll see your latest quarterback, and I'll raise you another quarterback. I'll go all in like the Rams did with their Teddy KGB gif when they went all in and they haven't won a game since then. Show me something. Show me anything. Show me not a pick six for a fourth straight game, Matthew Stafford, because with the Jaguars coming to town, if they lose this game, Peter – There are – I'm not going to say they're done because there have been plenty of teams already this year we've said they're done and then they wake up and win five in a row. But you got no excuse this week. Now, OBJ trending against him playing. Daryl Henderson is banged up. This is going to be on Matthew Stafford to make this offense go. And if they can't beat the Jaguars – they got a serious problem. They got a why did we trade away two first round picks and a third round pick? We just could have kept Jared Goff and lost to the Jaguars type of a problem. We'll do our third and final picks when this Friday edition of PFT Live concludes right after this. All right, here we go. Round three, show me something. Week 13. Peter, what do you got? Show me something,
2: Najee Harris. Look, this is going to be a low-scoring game in Pittsburgh on Sunday. Ravens-Steelers, classic battle. You don't think, nobody thinks that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be able to dial up 340 passing yards and three touchdowns to win this game. So, Najee Harris, who, by the way, last two weeks, 62 rushing yards. Najee Harris, you got drafted for moments like this. You're a first-round pick to be able to come into one of the biggest rivalries in sports and right
1: away to influence it. Show me something, Najee Harris. You know, we can use the phrase show me something in various different ways, different intonations, different attitudes. I'm saying show me something, Kyler Murray, because I've missed you. You've been gone. The last time we saw Kyler was five <laughs> weeks ago last night in that epic game against the Packers. He injured his ankle on the next to last play of the game, threw the ball to A.J. Green, who didn't realize the 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 pattern had been changed. I still don't know why he thought he was blocking on a run play, but uh, we haven't seen Kyler Murray since then. And, you know, initially it's like, oh, I'm fine. Well, okay, then he misses one game. Well, he's going to miss another game. Well, then he misses another game. Well, and then now he's ready to go. I... This guy, Peter, I I think, and this may be a conversation for another day, whoever wins the one seed in the NFC, their quarterback, I believe, is going to be the MVP. Kyler Murray, even though you've missed that time, you still have a chance. Carry the Cardinals to the one seed and and become the NFL's MVP. Show me something, Kyler Murray, Peter. I
2: like it. It's not an easy game playing in Chicago in December, especially for a guy who's a warm-weather football player. So I totally agree. I wish I'd thought of it and stolen it from you, Mike.
1: The Cardinals returned to one of their former homes in Chicago. Yes, kids, once upon a time, the Cardinals were in Chicago. We are out of time. Thanks for uh, some of your time, and we'll see you real soon.